Blog Talk Radio. All right, good afternoon, everybody. Welcome to episode 162 of the Habs 360 podcast. My name is Chris G at Chris G1980 for this Saturday, January 9th, 2016. Canadians played two games since our last episode, so on that front, it was a quiet week for the Montreal Canadiens. On Tuesday, in Philadelphia, they lost to the Flyers by a score of 4-3. to three. And then on Wednesday, back at home. So the Canadians concluded their eight-game stint on the road, and they beat the New Jersey Devils by a score of 2-1. to one. That brings the Canadians with 42 games played, a record of 23-16-3. That's 49 points. And that places them third place in the Atlantic Division. So that's the lowest that we've seen the Canadians since the start of the season. In terms of points, they are tied to the Detroit Red Wings, but the Red Wings do have one game in hand. And the Florida Panthers have a five-point cushion on the uh, Canadians, but the Panthers do have one game in hand over the Montreal Canadiens. But now the Canadians have to look behind them as well. The Boston Bruins are in fourth place with 46 points, so they are three points behind the Montreal Canadiens, but they do have three games in hand. So the Canadiens really do need to look uh, behind them, and there's a big game coming between the Canadiens and the Bruins on uh, January 19th, so 10 days from now. And depending on how things go from here to there, could be a very meaningful game. So the Canadians now, like I mentioned, they have to look behind them and 
Well, if the Boston Bruins, like I said, win all the three games in hand, the Canadians will drop off and will go into a wild card race. They'll be in a wild card spot. So that's quite the uh, difference from what we've been used to since the uh, beginning of the season. And right now in the conference, Canadians are fifth place in the Eastern Conference. According to sportsclubstats.com, Canadians have an 88.8% chance of making it to the playoffs. So in terms of odds, it's still looking good. Our poll question on the Habs360 Twitter account, pretty uh, simple, pretty basic today. Canadians are facing the Pittsburgh Penguins tonight at 7 o'clock Eastern time. Are the Canadians going to win? He go vote yes or no, and we'll talk about that uh, later on today's episode. If you have any comments, anything you'd like, a question or your feedback, you can do it via our Twitter account today. At Habs360 is the way to uh, to reach us. Joining us in about 15 minutes time will be Dave Randorf, play-by-play on Sportsnet. So he is in town to be calling the game between the Canadians and the Pittsburgh Penguins tonight at the Bell Center. Joining me now, my co-host for the day, editor-in-chief and owner of the All Habs Network of Sites. Twitter handle is All Habs. Rick, how you doing? Hey, Chris. Glad to be back. And uh, since this is my first uh, broadcast of 2016. I'll uh, wish you and the listeners a very happy new year. And uh, given that Thursday was Ukrainian Christmas, um, uh, Merry Ukrainian Christmas to all those who are we're celebrating on Thursday. Thank you very much. And while you're away, the Canadians well, they didn't have much success. So hopefully now that you're back, maybe you can uh, help uh, steer the Canadians in the right uh, direction. Lucky Charm has arrived. It's time for this week's winners and losers on Habs 360. So we're going to get started right away with our winners and losers of uh, the week. We have a busy show for you uh, today here on Habs 360. And Rick, let's get started. And you know what? Let's keep things positive. Let's look at it as the Canadians have won two out of the last three games. Let's think positive. Uh, Who are the nominees for winners of the week? For winners of the week, um, we're going to start with um, we're going to start with Dickie Moore. Uh, not only Dickie Moore, but uh, the uh, recognition in the tribute uh, by the Canadians for him. Uh, there was, uh, as everyone knows, the, the long uh, road break. Um, he passed away. Dickie Moore passed away on the nineteenth of December. Uh, but it wasn't until the game against uh, New Jersey that they had a chance to pay tribute. Um, to him, uh, and it was beautiful, uh, a nice tribute, uh, beautiful video that was done. Uh, Dickie Moore, number 12, uh, you know, five Stanley Cups, a couple of scoring titles, um, member of the Hockey Hall of Fame, um, but more than that, just a, a real gentleman and, and one of those players who was really beloved by his teammates. Um, so our um, our first nominee goes out to uh, Dickie Moore and the, the ceremony. Uh, to remember him. Yeah, and it's always classy from uh, the Montreal Canadiens when they do these kind of ceremonies. And just uh, scheduled that night, Max Pacioretty was supposed to be awarded the uh, the Molson Cup because it was the first home game of the following month. And while that wasn't done on the ice, one, uh, out of respect for, uh, for Dickie Moore, and number two, 
when you when you win the Molson Cup with three goals, two assists, and fourteen games played, <laughs> I don't think that's much of a reason to uh, to celebrate either. Exactly. Um, but but Max Pacioretty got a bit of a a, a boost um, on July first when the spark plug of of the first line Brendan Gallagher came back, and uh, we're gonna we're gonna give Brendan a a a, a nominee for uh, winner of the week. He um, you know there was the, despite his his rather severe injury. Um, you know, you'd you'd never really know that he was out of the lineup. He was his his old pesky self, uh, and has been since uh, uh, returned to the lineup. Um, he's he's, you know, I I don't think that his shot was the, is there yet. Um, I don't think he's a hundred. His hand is a hundred percent, and and I you can see it, not so much um, in the game, but when he was warming warming up and in practice. I don't think the shots there, but but his game is is not the, you know the the twenty foot shot anyways. It's the in close game. So uh, he was able to make an impact right when he came back. And even from his first shift uh, in his first game against the Boston Bruins, you saw him. He was uh, he was out there doing what he does best, and he he hasn't stopped. He's he's continuing where he where he left off prior to his injury. Exactly. And uh, and hopefully that can b- help bring some uh, stability to that to, to that first line and uh, production. Uh, as you said, they were pretty quiet in in December, as most of the the Canadians were. Um, it's it's All Star uh, it's it, All Star season. At least the news about uh, the All Star games in both the NHL and the AHL are are um, coming out, and we have uh, the rosters announced for for both both leagues. Um, you know, we can, we can, it was a possibility of recognizing PK Subban, uh, for his, his, uh, uh, being named to the, to the NHL all-star game, the only Canadian who was, um, but I think if we're being honest, uh, none of us have, uh, you know, would recognize this as a, as a, the start to an all-star season for PK Subban. So we're going to leave him off. Um, Mark Barbario was named uh, to from the St. John's Ice Caps. Of course, he's up with the Canadians for the last uh, few games, um, but uh, he was he was named um, to the uh, AHL All Star game. He has uh, at the AHL level, he has two goals and 18 assists. Um, is the top um, defenseman uh, points wise anyway uh, for the for the Ice Caps. Um, but you know uh, he's he's been around a while uh, and uh, played at the the NHL level, so really no surprise that he should be putting up numbers in in the AHL. Um, so the other person who was named uh, it's it's his first year pro, so he's going to be a nominee for our winner of the week, and that's Michael McCarron. Um, First pro season, he's he's leading uh, the Ice Caps in goals with 13. He's second in points with 25, just behind Bud Holloway. Um, he was he was out a couple of games um, just prior to the start of the year. Um, he had a a scare. A puck uh, ran up on him and, and caught him in the throat um, in Rochester and uh, or against Rochester. They were actually playing in Buffalo. Um, 
and he was out for a couple of games, but uh, was back last night against uh, Portland. Um, we saw what he can do when he was uh, up with the Canadians, and uh, you know he's certainly a force to be reckoned with. Um, whether it's dropping the gloves, whether it's uh, in front of the net, whether it's um, um, centering that that top line uh, for the Ice Caps, um, and very pleased to see he's going to the the All Star game in Syracuse. And even in last night's game, in the second period, we saw him in front of the goaltender, uh, causing some trouble, and even dropped the gloves on that play and tried to spark his team. Uh, it didn't work. The, the Ice Caps still uh, ended up losing. Uh, but we, as Canadians fans, we've had high expect we have high expectations when it comes to uh, Michael McCarron. And so far, like you mentioned, his first pro season, I think he's off to a um, he's off to a good start with uh with the ice caps absolutely um but our our um top position the winner of the week is going to go to um kind of an unsung hero and and certainly a surprise for for many uh canadians fans and that's paul byron um paul byron was was a you know a late cut by the calgary flames and and um the Canadians were there to add him to the roster, much to the chagrin of Jakob de la Rose, who was then unceremoniously sent to the ice caps and has run into some injury problems when he's been down there. But uh, Paul Byron has, has um, um, his, his main comp- contribution has been through the, the penalty kill. And he's all about the speed, all about the speed. And, you know, he's, he's had, um, that speed, even when he was in Calgary, but he wasn't finishing his chances there. Um, he is this year with the Canadians, and uh, he he hasn't got all of the the shorthanded goals, but he's the main reason why the Canadians have um, eight shorthanded goals this this season. And uh, for that reason, Paul Byron is our winner of the week. Yeah, right now when it comes to penalty kill, Canadians are fourth place in the NHL with eighty four point eight percentage. And, in fact, Paul Byron leads the NHL with a number of points shorthanded with uh, three goals and uh, two assists. Let's, in fact, hear uh, Paul Byron following the game against the uh, New Jersey Devils this week. You know, everyone uh, tries to doubt you, right? Um, you know, it could have been in the American League. It wasn't for a couple more teams passing up on me. So, um, you know, it's uh, getting to the point now. We're at an age where you either got to show that you belong in the NHL full-time or, or someone's going to pass you up. So... I'm just trying to take the take the most of this opportunity, and uh, you know, so far it's been, it's been great. And Rick, when the Canadians picked up Paul Byron on waivers at the towards the in the beginning of the season, I thought that he was a type of player that'd be coming in and out of the lineup for the Canadians, that, that number 12, number 13 forward. But the way he's been playing now, it's uh, it's pretty hard to take him out. Yeah, exactly. And and um, now you know. Uh, Michelle Therrien, as as he's uh, fond of doing, uh, puts him in places um, above his pay grade or above his skills, so to speak. Uh, and 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 that's a little unfair because he he um, you know he 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 isn't a, a second line player. Um, but when he's deployed in the, the type of situations that match his skill, he's been great. Uh, he's been everything you can ask for and a good fit with. Um, with particularly Brian Flynn when they're when they're out on the penalty kill. They've been great together. 
So congratulations to uh, to Paul Byron for being our winner of the week. Uh, Rick, your nominees for our losers of the week. Boy, we had a lot, didn't we? Um, I, I'm just going to piggyback a little bit. I, I understand while I was away last uh, last week that that you looked at uh, first half winners and losers, and and uh, Mark Bergevin was was in that category uh, in the losers for the the first half, and and had he he not been named there, he he certainly would have been one of the the leaders, I think, um, this week. Um, I, 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 you know, everybody's fond of Mark Bergevin. He's a snappy dresser. He's funny. Um, but I think, you know, experience is, is, or the lack of experience is showing right now. And, and he's, he's been great at shoring up the Paul Byrons and bringing in the Paul Byrons of, of the world and those fringe defensemen. But, uh, man, uh, that whole, um, for a scoring winger for the past three and a half years. That was his priority coming in. Three and a half years, he's not done it. Um, so I, I just wanted to echo your um, your comments from last week. Yeah, and you can no longer say that uh, it's not easy to do trades in the NHL. There was a couple of them this week that he could have used as an example. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, whether trades or whether uh, you know adding as free agents, others have had uh, more success doing it. Um, I, I'm just going to make, I, I know, um, it, it, last week uh, was a, a show after the winter classic, but I'm just going to add a couple from the winter classic. Um, one was Gary Bettman. What in the world was, was that look that he had, uh, his, his homeless man look, um, my goodness for a commissioner of the NHL to appear in public like that. Um, and then he was on the the the, um, the video um, caught at the Winter Classic party, and he was simply asked, "Could you please say Happy New Year to Habs fans? Say Happy New Year to Canadian fans." And he refused. He flatly refused. It wasn't like you know, uh, say that they're your favorite team or they're your favorite for the. He was simply asked to say Happy New Year. Refused. Um, bizarre. Absolutely bizarre. And well, Rick, uh, last it was last season, if I remember correctly, where he appeared at the White House with the running shoes. <laughs> so, uh, <laughs> so it's kind of of a trend. But think of it. Let's think of it another way. He was uh, in Boston, uh, December thirty first, midnight. Maybe he had a little bit too much to drink, and maybe he was recovering at the Winter Classic. <laughs> yeah. yeah uh, well, the, I I don't know. Um, <laughs> one person who who wasn't celebrating um, the new year. And that was Brad Marchand, um, whose uh, three game in uh, suspension um, uh, made sure that he wasn't allowed to play the winter class. What a dumb uh, and an absolutely stupid um, um, infraction that he took uh, upending the, the, uh, the Sens uh, defenseman, uh, just that low bridge kind of play is a dirty, dirty play. And then, I mean, despicable was his excuse that he he went to the league and said um, that was that was purely he was just turning to get back into the play, and he ran into it's just nonsense. And and what a what a dirty, dirty player. But you know, good on him for 
uh, for missing the and having to miss the the Winter Classic over that. Personally, he'd be in my loser list every single week, Brad Marshall. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but one thing for sure, uh, the folks at NBC, I'm pretty sure they were disappointed because even if you look at the uh, Road to the Winter Classic that was being prepared, uh, Brad Marshall was one of the, I guess, players that were being promoted. And then finally, he, he wasn't there. Yeah, exactly. Leading the, what was that Christmas reading that he was doing? Exactly. Um Next on our list is Dustin Tokarski. Um, Dustin's now uh, no longer a member of the Canadians, but our, our adieu to, to Dustin is having him on the list. And um, I, I'm sorry to do this because, uh, you know, you wanted to like the guy. Uh, he's a battler. Um, but since his his demotion uh, down to St. John's, his attitude has been terrible. I've been fortunate, I guess, to, to be able to take in uh, quite a few of the, the ice caps practices. And uh, he his attitude is just awful. He's half speed, just going through the motions, um, waving at pucks, uh, you know, not trying at all. Um, you know, and that coupled with him, you know, making himself small in the net and, and, and not being able to, to to really compete against uh, Mike Condon, um, who fairly won the job. I mean, it's it was nobody's fault but his but his own that he lost his uh, backup role. Uh, so for his attitude, um, we're going to add uh, Dustin Tokarski to our list. Uh, not much we can I I could add to that. Uh, it was his play that led him out of town. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I know we don't have a lot of time, but uh, our winner. Uh, and this was wasn't even close. Is uh, Michelle Terrian, um, not only for the last week but for the whole month of December. Um, I have no idea how you know I was ready to give him credit, and I did give him credit on the air. You've recorded it and replayed it many times. He changed the you know they, they he met with coaches. They changed the style of play over the summer. Uh, it was working at the beginning of the year, and then when they ran into a bit of adversity, he just kind of went back to his his old favorites. And my goodness, what a mess in December! Um, for no reason whatsoever, he dismantled the first line. Uh, he 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 dismantled most of the lines. Um, you know. Uh, I, Dernay on the power play with no production. Uh, the the four forwards when when you have two of the greatest power play uh, defensemen um, in the league in Markov and Subban. Um, the this last game dismantling the second line, which was the, with Eller and Galchenyuk, which was the only line that was working in December. Um, I I I just the the whole the way he treats Jared Tenorti. Uh, you know, Gilbert went out. Tenorti played 17 strong minutes. Next game against Washington, Tenorti stands up for his captain, who's getting pummeled, and then Tenorti's out. I, I just don't understand him. Um, and you know, uh, social media is going crazy. They want him fired. I don't. I think a big trade would happen before Terrian's out. But my goodness, he's making it. He made a hash of it in December. And for those of you who don't believe that Derek gave him credit. Well, here's the proof. You know, you, you're <laughs> going to fall down when when I say this, but I think Tyrion made an excellent decision. <laughs> so, th- so there you go. See uh, that? 
exactly. Uh, uh, for now, we won't go through more discussion for Terry. I think we all know how I feel. I don't think he's had um, a good month, but I don't think he deserves to get fired, at least as of right now. I want uh, everybody to hear, to, uh, to listen to Paul Byron following a game against the New Jersey Devils when he was asked, uh, how is he liking Montreal so far? I love it here. I love the team. love the guys. love the coaching staff. Sorry, I thought I misheard that. I love it here. I love the team. love the guys. love the coaching staff. So there you go. Paul Byron loves the coaching staff. So That was Paul Byron. Paul Byron loves the coach. <laughs> exactly. Paul Byron. Hey, he's part of the he's part of the team. So Michel Terrier is our loser of uh, the week. So hopefully he'll be able to uh, to pick it, uh, to pick it up and maybe eventually uh, Rick will be able to pick him as at least a nominee for a winner. It might be tough, but who knows? It might happen uh, one day. We're gonna take a quick break. On the other side, we'll be joined by Roger Sportsnet play-by-play man Dave Randorf, who joined us to talk about Chalk Canadian hockey. This is the Habs 360 podcast feature on allhabs.net. For the most trusted source of news, analysis, and features about the Montreal Canadiens, their affiliates, and their prospects, log in to allhabs.net, your year-round resource for anything Habs-related. That's allhabs.net. Hi, I'm Chris G. The Habs 360 podcast and Anthony from art2canvas.com are pleased to announce the return of the Habs Bienvenue contest this season. For high-quality canvas art at a reasonable price, visit art2canvas.com. Don't live close to Montreal? Ever feel like you're the only Habs fan in town? Chances are good that there are plenty of fellow fans just around the corner. And HabsTweetUp.com will help you find them. If you're interested in hosting a hockey party in your city, visit HabsTweetUp.com for more details. You'll be connected to other Habs fans near you in no time. Habs 360 is proud to be a partner of Rocket Sports Media, digital media publishers of sports and entertainment websites. In addition to building a worldwide network of sports fans, the team at RSM is also dedicated to mobilizing the sports community in ways that make a difference in the lives of others. Giving back to the community bridges the gap between team affiliations. It's something any fan can support. RSM proudly provided support for organizations and projects like Hockey Fights Cancer, Five Hole for Food, the Montreal Canadiens Children's Foundations, Autism Speaks, Leukemia and Lymphoma Society of Canada, and the People of Canada Portrait Project, just to name a few. If you would like to be involved with a Rocket Power project or have a worthy fundraising initiative you'd like us to be part of, please contact us at rocketsportsmedia.com. This is the Habs 360 podcast, featured on allhabs.net. For the most trusted source of news, analysis, and features about the Montreal Canadiens, their affiliates, and their prospects, log in to allhabs.net, your year-round resource for anything Habs-related. 
That's allhabs.net. Hi, I'm Chris G. The Habs 360 podcast and Anthony from art2canvas.com are pleased to announce the return of the Habs contest this season and will give you the opportunity to win a great prize courtesy of art2canvas.com. Listen to the Habs 360 podcast and follow Habs 360 and Habs Happy on Twitter as more details on the Habs contest will be announced soon. For high-quality canvas art at a reasonable price, visit art2canvas.com. All right, welcome back to episode 162 of the Habs 360 podcast for this Saturday, January 9th, 2016. I'm Chris G. along with uh, Rick Stevens from uh, allhabs.net. Uh, Tonight, Montreal Canadiens facing the Pittsburgh Penguins at the Bell Center, a game that is 7 o'clock Eastern time, a game that could be seen on the Rogers Sportsnet. And joining us now on the line, the man who will be calling the game on the Sportsnet, Dave Randorf, how are you doing, Dave? I'm doing good, Chris. How are you? I'm good, thank you, and thank you very much for uh, for joining us once again. And well, let's start with the news that the coach Michel Terry announced uh, yesterday that uh, Carey Price will be out at least until the uh, the All Star break. At the beginning of the season, when the Canadians had their great start, when they started off nine and zero. We thought the Montreal Canadiens had closed some of their their gaps, had solved some of their issues when it comes to scoring, etc. And we thought it was no longer all on the shoulders of Carey Price. But since Price's injury, Canadiens have had the lowest winning percentage in all of the NHL during that uh, time span. So at the end of the day, it seems like nothing really has changed. Well, yeah, I mean, the stats certainly bear it out. The Canadians were one of the highest-scoring teams. Uh, they still are up there, statistically, but uh, as you well know and as all the, the uh, listeners to the podcast are, are well aware that those numbers are inflated based upon uh, the first month and a half when they were scoring. Uh, you know, you can talk to coaches, and they'll say it's a 3-2 league. you got to score at least three to really have a shot. And certainly Montreal's record when they score three or more versus when they score two or less is startling. In fact, I think they've only won two games that they've uh, they've uh, won when they've scored two or less. So they were doing that with regularity. Uh, in fact, they did it in each and every one of those first nine games when they got off to that that best start in, in 99 years. I mean, it, how things have changed in a couple of months, right? Uh, I think Carey Price, obviously, it, it was interesting um, when he remember he when he first got hurt. Before he came back for uh, you know a couple of games and then eventually left in late November in that game at Madison Square Garden, I, I spoke to Max Pacioretty. Actually, ironically, it was when they were in Pittsburgh. It was uh, I think middle of, middle of November and they were in Pittsburgh. And I asked him, and they were things were still going well. Remember, Condon was like six zero and one or something like that, and they were they were more than treading water without Carey Price. And I asked him, are, are you guys taking a little bit of pride, trying you know proving to everybody that you're not just a good team with a great goalie? And he said to me, uh, "I'd be lying if I said we. Oh, I don't, and we and we don't take pride in that. Uh, you know, we, we take great pride in the fact that we are a complete team. And yes, Kerry is a great goalie, maybe the best in the business. Uh, but uh, you know, we think that we've got a, a good team here that can push forward. And at the time, you know, it was it was accurate. Uh, but now, everybody has gone through a horrific slump. I mean, when you've got guys like." Daniel Carr and Paul Byron leading the team with goals in the month of December. Uh, that just shows you the, the, the problem they've had with, with everybody, Tom, from Thomas Placanis, Darren A., even Patch Reddy a little bit himself. You know, he started to pick it up of late. 
Uh, we all know PK has not scored since uh, late October. He's only got the one goal. In fact, one goal from the, the entire defense corps since December 1st. One goal. And it's from Jeff Petrie, who's not going to play tonight because he's injured. So, you know, it's it's a perfect storm or an imperfect storm if you're a Canadian fan because not only have they lost, you know, arguably one of the best players in the game in Carey Price and won't have him for at least eight to ten more games, uh, their offense is completely uh, dried up and their, their power play has been killing them. <laughs> you know, they scored a, a power play goal the other night, which was much needed. Well, what is it now? Four power play goals in the last 16 games. And I, I, I don't really have a great explanation for it. It's more, uh, you know, a question for, a, a, you know, an analyst. But they need guys to dig down and, and, and put that puck in the back of the net. Uh, Brendan Gallagher has, the return of Gallagher has helped short term. It's only been three games. But he creates a lot of energy up and down that lineup, let alone the line that he is playing on. He gets to the net. He disrupts the other team's, uh, you know, defensive structure. And uh, let's hope, uh, for the Habs' sake, that he can continue to do that tonight. Hey, David. It's Rick Stevens. Um, welcome to the show. Thanks, Rick. Um, you, you, you reference storms. Um, certainly in Habsland, there's there's some dark clouds. And uh, right now, as if you, you just do a scan of social media, a lot of those uh, disgruntled Habs fans are pointing the finger at Michelle Therrien. Um I guess my question is about what uh, Mark Bergevin might do. And, and I, I don't think it's, it's very likely that, uh, at least right now, that he would uh, pull the, the trigger on ejecting his, uh, his, his friend and coach. Um, at least uh, not until, uh, you know, he makes a big move. Um, I don't see them, uh, the Canadians necessarily being, being in on the Duran sweepstakes, um, you know, until now. Bergevin's been um, uh, has has done some minor deals and and mostly those were cleanup kind of deals, um, you know the, the, the most recent being um, Max Freeberg for uh, Dustin Tokarski and that was kind of to clean up the 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 log jam they have they will have at goal when Carey Price comes back uh, and that was caused by acquiring uh, Ben Scrivens for you know another fixer upper kind of thing uh, the Zach Cassian mistake. Uh, and then the other uh, trade this 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 season was uh, uh, Lucas Alessio for um, Christian Thomas, who had some um, off ice issues. Um, so it's not been not it's not what the fans have been looking for that big move, that scoring winger, that problem to fill that hole. In your eyes, what's what's Mark Bergevin's uh, next move, and uh, are are we likely to see it before the All Star break? Well, um, the pressure does mount, right, with every every game that goes on. I mean, if you think back to Wednesday night, they've got that 2 nothing lead going into the third period. And the Devils score right away, and it's 2-1. If the Canadians lose that game, I mean, this is it, it is already a very serious situation in terms of the Canadians hanging on to their playoff spot with teams all around them uh, putting the pressure on, and, and just about everybody has got at least a game in hand on them. So I, I think you're right to... To, to suggest that this is not just a, you know, this is no longer just a little a cold spell or a dry spell. This is this is a free fall that uh, the Canadians need to stop with, um, you know, winning. They haven't won back-to-back games since late November. So they need to fix this, and whether or not it's in that room or not, uh, I don't know. First of all, in terms of making that big move that every fan loves to see, 
the trade that we saw with Ryan Johansson and Seth Jones going back and forth for one another, those trades, massive trades like that just don't happen very often, and certainly uh, even less frequent during the season. I think you heard both GMs saying that trades like that are so difficult to make. There's so many things that go into it from an entire franchise direction standpoint. Uh, I don't see that kind of move being made. That, that's for sure that, that kind of earth-shattering uh, mega move where you move a guy like uh, you know, a core piece for another core piece. Uh, I think they do need some help up front. They've, they've been searching for size and scoring for an awful long time. And, uh, you know, there have been some good moves that uh, Bergevin has done over the last couple of years that have worked out, right? I mean, if you, I know Thomas Fleischman is a scratch right now, but he was having a lot of good success with David Dernay, and, and he's one of many that, that went dry, and, and maybe this might help him recharge his game to get back so he can be a little bit more effectively and get past that eight goals that he, you know, he piled up there in the, in the early stages of the season. Um, I, I tend to agree with you. I think a move is coming before uh, any kind of uh, decision would be made on Michelle Therrien. But, you know, make no mistake, this, this team has very high expectations. Uh, there's a lot of teams that do. The Pittsburgh Penguins were five games over 500 when they fired Mike Johnston. Now, there was a lot of things uh, going on in the background there. As, as we all know, there was rumors that he didn't get along with the, uh, his direction just didn't fit with the new GM, and, uh, and, and, and hence the move to bring in Mike Sullivan. But what I'm saying here is that you know, they, they actually had a winning record, but the expectations weren't being met. And I would suggest the expectations here in Montreal are, were even higher. Uh, and uh, with this kind of potentially slipping away, uh, and because it is it is close to that right now, unless they start stringing a bunch of wins back together again before uh, Carey Price gets back, then you know that that is not out of the question. I'm not suggesting that's what should happen. Uh, you know, Michelle Therrien didn't just get uh, become a bad coach overnight. This is a guy who's won 50 games in the last two seasons, and uh, you know they, they've had tremendous luck. Uh, and I know there might be some out there suggesting, well, of course he's got Carey Price. Yes, he does. I know that. <laughs> but I think it's a little simplistic to just say that, that uh, you know, he's got a great goalie and, and, and he hasn't made any good, any good decisions along the way. It's funny how a coach uh, feels the greatest amount of heat when, when, you know, the fan base, and there's none bigger and more passionate than this one here in Montreal, when, when they start to uh, get anxious, it's all of a sudden, you know, the coach's fault. But is, is he safe? You know, I, I would have to say probably not, because that's just the way this business goes. And he knows that. And, uh, Dave, this question, me and Rick, uh, we've been talking about it often since the month of September. And it's in regards to Canadians on defense, uh, Mark Barbario has been called up, and he's been doing a great job uh, since he's been up here. Uh, Craig Pattern is in the lineup tonight, replacing Jeff Petrie. Uh, Jared Tenorti, he is still around with the team. Tom Gilbert, he should be back soon. He skated this morning in Brostard. Uh, how, do you think that the defensive core will still be the same when it comes after the trade deadline? Because Canadians, they can't keep all these guys around for, I don't know, I guess how long can you keep them all around? Yeah. Um, I, I don't think... I don't think this is a, you know, this team has aspirations to win the Stanley Cup. Not to make the playoffs, but to win the Stanley Cup. They've been to the conference finals a couple of times in the last few years, and now they want to make that next step. I am not quite sure they have the depth and, and that one veteran guy uh, that, that can really um, push them over the top. Markov was that guy. 
I, I think we would all agree that uh, Andre Markov is, is starting to battle a little, little father time, as evidenced by the fact that he's been separated from PK and uh, reining back his minutes. Uh, his point production is, is, is way down. And, uh, listen, he's been a great Canadian. He's closing in on 900 games. He has been a great player for a long time. It still is a good, you know, a good top-six defenseman for sure. I'm not suggesting move him at all. But uh, I don't think that this is a championship-caliber uh, defense core right now as it sits. Mark Barbario, the local guy, uh, he's a great story. And he's looked pretty darn good in the last six games that he's played. Uh, the question is, and I know he's got 100 games under his belt, but, the question is, can he can he maintain that? I guess we, we might find out um, because so far he has a little bit of a hop to that back end, a little bit of mobility back there, getting shots through to the net, and uh, he's a guy who's been to a Memorial Cup in the past, a Calder Cup in the past, and that experience uh, I think counts uh, even here in the National Hockey League. You know, a guy who's been there, done that in pressure situations, and that's great to have. Um, but, uh, you know, you're, you're getting a little thin uh, overall when you look at a championship-caliber D, and I think that might be one area that they would probably look to uh, look to add to, as he has done in the past. When when we're talking about the fans, we, we, you know, you have to talk about P.K. Subban. Uh, you mentioned earlier that uh, just one goal, um, you look at someone like uh, Shane Gostas-Bierre with, with – uh, uh, the Flyers comes up. He's played half the games. I think he's up to seven or eight goals already, and and is is been, you know, uh, made a real impact with with that Flyers team. Um, I think it's fair to say that that uh, PK hasn't been in that upper echelon. You know, the the Dowdies, Weber's, Carlson's this so far this season. Uh, usually comes on stronger in the, the latter half of the the year. Um, but but people, I think, um, are starting to tie his his start to the season with uh, some of his off ice activities, and and you know there's no one going to criticize his charitable works, which have been wonderful. But I think it's it's more his focus, and and when he made those charitable contributions, um, there was there was several interviews where he was stressing that hockey was only a very tiny fraction of who he is, of, of his brand, as he called it. Um, do, do you think his focus has, has maybe strayed a little bit um, to start the season? Um, honestly, uh, I don't. And I've done, I've done a bunch of Montreal games this season. I think uh, more than any other Canadian team, I've, I've been here a lot. And I watch a lot. Uh, from my days when I used to uh, you know, do the regional games, I watched the Canadians a lot, and I've seen a lot over the last four or five years. And um, I don't, guys. I, I, I know what you're saying, and I know there was a lot of uh, said about his pump-up uh, speech when he, uh, during the uh, Road <laughs> to the Winter Classic thing. But, you know, this is who the guy is. It's, it's, it really isn't an act. He, he really is like this. And uh, I think it's, it's, it's interesting how the, the hockey culture is, is that normally these types of big, large personalities are kind of suppressed or, or looked down upon because it's just not the hockey way. Hockey players are just kind of quiet guys from small towns, <laughs> whether they're in Europe or Canada or the States, and they don't have a lot you know, really a whole bunch to say. And there's a lot of them like that, and all good guys, but they're just like that. PK is not like that. Uh, if you're asking me if, if 
you know, his focus isn't where it should be um, in terms of being detrimental to his play. I would have to say my opinion is no. Uh, he still logs a uh, major league minutes at a time when they really need it. I mean, who else is going to step up and play 25, 26 minutes uh, or more uh, a night? He's still right up there in the top 10 in that category. Uh, he plays every night. He's, I think it's pretty close to 250 consecutive games. And here's the thing about his points. Yes, he should have more than one goal. That was 33 games ago. No question. With that shot, that weapon, his offensive ability, he should. In fact, he's been in double digits goals, uh, well, I think, four of the last five seasons. He needs more goals, yes. But he's still got a lot of points. He's still got, uh, what, 27 assists. He's third amongst all NHL defensemen in, in assists on a team that's struggling offensively. So the points are still there. He's still on pace to... To, uh, to hit that 60-point 60, 60 mark, which he did last year, and that was a career high. So I, I think people f- just focus a lot on the goals, and I just acknowledge that he does need more, but it's not like the points aren't there. Um, to me, this guy's a stallion, and, and, and keep in mind, he's been moved back and forth to the strong side and weak side on the power play. There's been a lot of adjustment while that power play has struggled. He's worked with different partners. Uh, Bolio's been out on that first unit. Now they've gone back to Markov of, of late there's a lot of things that go into it, and uh, but I still think this guy is, uh, you know, a franchise cornerstone that uh, that, that is uh, this. Quite frankly, this hockey community uh, is is lucky to have him. I think um, because of what he does give back to to the community and how he does believe and understand what it is to be a, a Montreal Canadian. It, it is not lost on him. Um, and, and you know that this place has very high standards for those who who, who skate and. That uniform, and I think he gets all of that, and and would not be distracted by you know any charitable work or any other things that he likes to do off the ice. I think he keeps it all pretty straight, and and, uh, and his play, in my mind, uh, is is fine. And just to finish up, uh, Dave, so it's 28 uh, points that PK Subban has. Knita scored 121 goals this season, so that's about a quarter of the goals that he's been uh, he's been involved in. So hey, that's pretty. There you that's go. Good impressive. stat, man. Good. <laughs> That's good. I might use that. <laughs> there you go. So, uh, so thank you very much for for joining us, Dave. And we'll be watching and we'll be listening to see if you actually use that stat tonight. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I I don't know if I can uh, give you a shout out. Uh, they don't allow me to do that. But uh, if That's I do, fine. you'll know where it came. Exact, and all your listeners will know exactly where it came from. All right. Thank you very much, Dave. You're welcome. Thanks for having me, guys. All right. No problem. All right. So that was uh, Dave Randorf from uh, Rogers Sportsnet joining us. You can follow him on Twitter. Twitter handle is just as his name, Dave Randorf. He'll be calling tonight's game between the Canadians and the Pittsburgh Penguins live at the Bell Center at uh, 7 o'clock Eastern time. We're going to take our final break. We'll be back on the other side with more of the Habs 360 podcast right here, featured on allhabs.net. Want the latest Habs news with game previews, reviews, and highlights? How about full coverage of development camps and special events? Looking to follow the St. John's Ice Caps or the Brampton Beast more closely this season? Perhaps you'd like to learn more about team prospects. Would you like a place to socialize with hockey fans all over the world? We've got what you're looking for at allhabs.net, the place where you'll find everything you need to be the most informed and connected Habs fan around. Allhabs.net. If you missed a recent episode of the Habs 360 podcast, Visit the podcast page on allhabs.net or search Habs360 on iTunes for our archives. 
Want to make sure you never miss another episode? Subscribe to Hubs 360 on iTunes and all new episodes will automatically download for you. Frameworth is the exclusive supplier and distributor of autographed products for some of the best hockey players in the world, including Carey Price, Sidney Crosby, Jonathan Taves, John Tavares, and Alex Galchenyuk. Thanks to Frameworth, Habs 360 listeners can receive free shipping on any order. Shop online at frameworth.com and type in Habs 360 at checkout. Frameworth is an official licensee of the NHL, NHLPA, Hockey Canada, CFL, and the Hockey Hall of Fame. For more information, visit frameworth.com. I bet you enjoy sporting your best Habs jerseys, dressing up your kids and pets in the cutest Habs gear, and showing off your decked-out hockey cave or fan ink. Well, don't just show your friends. Show your Habs. The team at All Habs wants you to boast your finest pictures for our global network of Montreal Canadiens fans. Include the hashtag ShowYourHabs when posting your fan photos on Twitter, Facebook, or Instagram. Then log on to ShowYourHabs.com to see your entries, along with photos and posts from Habs fans all over the world. A proud member of the Rocket Sports Media Network. This is the Habs 360 podcast, featured on allhabs.net. I love it here. I love the team. I love the guys. I love the coaching staff. But you know what? He's not going to be back before. We don't expect him to be back before he goes all right, welcome back. Episode 162 of the Habs 360 podcast. Chris G along with Rick Stevens from allhabs.net. And thank you very much once again to Dave Randorf from Rogers Sportsnet for joining us. If you're listening to the live broadcast and you missed part of the interview, uh, no worries. You go to allhabs.net or on iTunes. You search Habs 360, episode 162, and you'll be able to uh, re-listen to our entire uh, discussion. So we just heard uh, Michel Terrier with the announcement that Carey Price uh, will be out at least until the uh, All-Star break. So that means at least eight more games for the Canadians without their goaltender. And I guess, Rick, this pretty much answers why the Canadians went out and acquired Ben Scrivens uh, a couple of weeks ago. They probably had a good idea that this was uh, that this was happening. Yeah, for sure. Well, you know uh, that I was um, right when when Price went down. That that I was um, certain that the Canadians were looking. Uh, I think this was a trade that was talked about for um, quite some time, um, and the Canadians were just kind of the trade was there. Um, they were kind of waiting to see what would happen with Dustin Tokarski. They sent him down to. Uh, St. John's to play some games and and uh, to see if he could get his game back and to see if Condon and Tukarski could um, you know help them. Okay, I think we lost Rick. Rick, are you there? Okay, so it looks like we uh, lost Rick. We'll be uh, getting in touch with him in a couple of uh, moments. So, yeah, so it was pretty obvious why the Canadians went and acquired Brent Scrivens. They had an idea. And let's be honest, uh, for Carey Price, he'll need some practice time before he joins back 
in the lineup. So once he's able to start skating, he's not going to play right away. He's going to need at least f- at least five days, if not more, for a goaltender. He needs that to uh, to get back before he comes back on uh, to start to start a game. So Ben Scrivens was that acquisition for for the Canadians, and we heard. Dave, when you mentioned about the Canadian stats when scoring three goals, well, the Canadians' record when they have scored three goals is it was pretty good, and well, the Canadians' record when they have three goals or more isn't good. And in fact, during the 19 games that uh, Carey Price has been injured, the goal the Canadians have allowed three goals in 13 of those 19 games. So. Uh, they're not the number one reason, but I think it's it's one of the reasons. Uh, one of the areas that the Canadians do need to get better is in in the goaltending. So, and one thing that I'm starting to wonder now is if the Canadians get news that Carey Price will miss any longer than the All Star break, is it still worth it for them to go out there and make that big move, the to get that top six forward that they're missing? Because without Carey Price, even if they get that uh, number five, number six, that gap on the right wing that they're missing, I don't think the Canadians uh, will go too far without Carey Price. So if they get any news longer uh, that he'll be missing any longer, it's definitely not a move that Mark Bergevin uh, wants to do. There's a lot of guys there. there no, there's some guys in our team in the second half, they're going to have to uh, really start to pick up their game. So who was the coach talking about? So that was following the game against the uh, Philadelphia Flyers. He called out some a couple of players saying that uh, they need to be better in the second half of the season. And while one player that uh, paid the price was Thomas Fleischman. So he sat out in the game against the New Jersey Devils, and he's sitting out again tonight against the uh, Pittsburgh Penguins. Let's hear uh, the coach when he was asked about why Fleischman sat the game against the New Jersey Devils. Well, at time, you got to take some hard decision, and he's a veteran player in the league, and uh, he had a really good start, but I thought lately... And the last month, not much was happening. And uh, um, he needs to skate more, like he, he showed us. He's capable to make some plays, but in this league, you got to be able to skate and uh, create your own chances. And uh, it was not an easy decision, but we decided to go with a young kid like Andre Gretto, and I thought tonight he, he skated well. So, Thomas Fleischman, eight goals, nine assists, 17 points. In the 41 games, a plus four was an easy solution. Is that is Thomas Fleischman or is Devante Smith Pelly and Sven Andrew are they better than Thomas Fleischman? Well, I would say that Sven Andrew he has more an offensive upside than Thomas Fleischman does. So I think that's definitely a uh, a good decision. But Devante Smith Pelly, I'm not sure if uh, if sitting Fleischman over Devante Smith Pelly is the right decision and then he's sitting a second game tonight is it the coach really not satisfied with the flashman that he's sitting him out a second game 
I'm starting to think that was mostly because Canadians won the last game. So you don't break a winning lineup. So Primus Fleischman is uh, sitting out again uh, tonight. I have to uh, I have to dress my 20 players tonight. I, I could have undressed a few. So he could have undressed a few players. And uh, speaking of uh, somebody who's back in our lineup here on Hub 360, well, I guess not. That was a false alarm. Uh, so let's talk about the the second line of the Canadians, the new one, Galchenyuk, Sven Andrigero, and Daniel Carr. So in terms of merit, Sven Andrigero and Daniel Carr do deserve a spot in the Canadians' top six lineup. It is definitely merited that these guys get a spot with Alex Galchenyuk. But at the same time, if Sven Andrigero and Daniel Carr have to be part of your top six forwards right now in their career, which, let's be honest, right now they're still pretty much AHL players. Uh, it's got to be concerning for the Montreal Canadiens. And Rick, he's back on the line with us. Rick, what do you think about the line of Galchenyuk, Andrigero, and uh, Daniel Carr? Well, you, you know that I've been um, a huge promoter of uh, of both Daniel Carr and San Andrigetto. I've been fortunate enough to see a lot of their play uh, with the Ice Caps, um, and um, you know, I, I've, I've w- right from the beginning of the season, I I was saying that Daniel Carr should be the first call up, which people you know couldn't believe, but we he's shown that he belongs and and. Uh, he can fit in at the NHL level. That said, I don't want to see both of them on the same line um, with with Alex Galchenyuk. Um, it's now the now that line is missing something, and we saw that in the last game. It was the first time in a month that Alex Galchenyuk had a negative Corsi. Um, they need. Lars Eller is, you know, despite all the haters, Lars Eller is the key to, to Alex Galchenyuk's success for a number of reasons. One, he's there uh, to, to support him on the defensive side uh, as, uh, as a supplement to, to the face-offs uh, when, he, when he's in a bit of a rut face-off-wise. But most importantly, um, he's the one who digs the puck. He's the one who forechecks. Uh, he's the one who provides the physicality. Um, and, you know, that Eller-Galchenyuk uh, and, and mostly Carr combination was the only one, uh, the only one who was creating scoring chances. Um, if they only had ice time in December, uh, they would have had an awful lot more production. Um, so I'm, I'm of the mind that, uh, yes, I'd like to see the right wing occupied uh, by... Carr or Andrigetto, but I don't want to see both of them on that line. It it really is uh, a negative to Alex Galchenyuk. And as a result of third line for the Canadians, tonight is expected to be Lars Dell on the left wing with uh, David Arnais and uh, Paul Byron. So, Rick, uh, we already know your point of view uh, when it comes to um, to that line. So, So now being that that's what the line will be, I personally would have preferred switching Eller and Dernay, putting Eller down the middle and putting uh, Dernay uh, on on the left wing. What do you think? 
Yeah, I agree 100%. If, I, I don't think that Eller should be on that line, but if he is, he should be at center um, because uh, he's much more effective. Uh, if, if your third line is the, the line that's supposed to be the shutdown line, then Lars Eller can, from the, from the center position, um, manage his defensive coverage much, much better, and, uh, uh, and Dearnay can do whatever he does on the wing. Um, and uh, Paul Byron adds a little bit of a speed element. Um, so I think that line would be much stronger with Eller. I agree with you at center. And they've already tried that in the past with Eller Dernay together, and they had put Dernay on the wing. And considering for the line that they had, I think they did, it worked. Like Dernay was still producing on, uh, was still playing well on the left wing. Then he seemed to be against it, and he seemed to be working fine. So I'm really surprised that, uh, well, we'll see. You know, things could change. Maybe when the game starts tonight against the Penguins, Dernay will be on the left on the left wing, but it seemed based on the practice yesterday that Dernay will be starting in the center position. And Rick, uh, one one last topic that I want to tackle on uh, today's episode is we found out this week uh, in a press conference it was it was very low key. It was out of nowhere this information that was provided in regards to Alexi Emelin, where we found out that he had a fracture on his foot for um, for about two, three weeks. And that is the main uh, reason why he sat out a couple of games right before the the holidays. And this ties into a bit what we spoke with, uh, with Dave uh, in our second segment. With all these defensemen hanging around the Montreal Canadiens, uh, why do you think the Canadians played Alexei Mlotek on Avenger when they had other defensemen lying around? I, I don't know. I, I really don't know. The, the the hatred for, and it's it can't be anything else, the hatred for Jared Tenorti must be extreme um, for for Michelle Therrien to do something like that. You're asking me to explain his rationale and logic. There is no logic. But and it was just... But it's sorry, more it was than Tenorti. Yes, it's it is more, more than Tenorti. Yeah. Yeah, it's Condon. Uh, sorry, not Condon. Uh, Pattern. <laughs> sorry, that was also on uh, on defense. So he still had extra bodies and decided not putting any of them. Yeah, I was I was just kind of getting to that. Uh, the the um, you know there there are guys you you give super long leashes to. And there's guys that are just uh, Terry's got a quick trigger on a uh, uh, Tenorti pattern, you know, pa- a pattern made that one mistake. Um, uh, you know, how long ago was that? And, and um, he hasn't seen it, Bar- but Barbario makes mistake after mistake, after mistake, after mistake. And yes, I like the way he moves the puck, but my goodness, he, you know, take defensemen out of, take defense out of his, his title because he doesn't have any kind of commitment to defense. And yet he, you know, Tarion seems to, to love this guy. Um, it's, it's bizarre. It's really bizarre. And even how it came out, it was a post game thing. And Tarion was defending um, Alexei Emelin and saying, you know, you guys criticize him, but, but keep in mind, he played on the wrong side and Oh, by the way, yeah, you, you didn't know, but his fractured foot, it was just a bizarre way of of handling it. Um, I I I can't explain it at all. It it all kind of came out really oddly. 
So, so you know, Rick, like um, when it comes to to uh, to Terrier, and I know there's some people outside uh, listeners on social media, etc., who who are Terrier haters, as I called them in our in the last week's episode. The fact that Alex Emlin was injured, who, sorry, he had a fracture for two three weeks that he, that he played with. Mark Bergevin, I'm 100% sure that he knew about this, right? He was aware of this injury. I'm sure. Yeah. So, so the fact that Emlin was playing and whether it be Potter and Tenorti, et cetera, weren't playing, he knew about it, right? He, so in a way, by allowing it to happen, he, he was supporting the coach with that decision. 100%. So then I think it's if because uh, I agree I think that somebody else uh, should have played instead of Emlyn whether it be Tenorti whether it be Patterson like I would let them decide who that is but when it comes to situation yes I think Terry is to blame but so is the general manager uh, or the whole management team of, uh, of the Canadians that allowed this to um, <laughs> to to happen and yeah him, I agree uh, I agree and you know if there's like. You know, uh, the the biggest knock against uh, Bob Gainey was he was the, he was loyal to a fault. He was loyal to Pierre Gauthier, who brought him down the road uh, the wrong road many times, and uh, he was loyal to to Jacques Martin. Um, we're seeing the same kind of thing. Um, Sylvain Lefebvre has made mistakes in the past. Um, Michel Therrien has made mistakes, but but Mark Bergevin is loyal to his guys. He's very loyal to to the management team around him, um, and lets I guess lets them make their own mistakes or trust them uh, that that in the end it it is the right decision. Yeah, so we'll see how that turns out. It seems that Alex Emlin has now recovered uh, from that injury, at least from what we were told by uh, the coach. So the Canadians, our poll question of of today was: Are the Habs going to beat the Penguins tonight? And well, so far, it seems uh, the Canadian fans have gotten back on board with the Montreal Canadiens, and 79% of the people who responded have said that, yes, the Canadians will beat the Pittsburgh Penguins tonight. And well, we have to watch out, because Sidney Crosby, he's back, started off the season uh, in a slump, but uh, boy, he's definitely picking it up uh, right now. And who knows, he might be disgruntled that he wasn't chosen to be part of the All-Star game. He loves playing against the Montreal Canadiens. So I guess we will say watch out uh, Mike Condon because, well, Sidney Crosby will probably be around. And watch out the defenseman. You might get a couple of uh, cheap shots after the whistle as well from uh, Sidney uh, Crosby. Rick, thank you very much. Always great to join you, Chris. Thank you very much to uh, Dave Randorf from Sportsnet for joining us. He'll be calling tonight's game between the Canadiens and the Pittsburgh Penguins. A game that starts at 7 o'clock Eastern time could be seen coast-to-coast on Sportsnet and on TVA Sports. And then the Canadians have, well, four days off. They're back on Thursday. They'll be facing the Chicago Blackhawks, who are in town at 7.30 Eastern start. And then, well, we'll be back again next Saturday, 2 p.m. Eastern, for episode 163 of the Habs 360 podcast. Have a good week. Hope you enjoyed today's show. Habs360 is the way to reach us on Twitter. Have a good week, everybody. For the latest news on the Montreal Canadiens, follow us on Twitter at Habs360 and visit allhabs.net.